Australia is vulnerable to a global recession. Let's have a look. Good afternoon, everyone. Florian Heiser here, and welcome to another episode of Heiser Says. I have my lunchtime stein of coffee, and I'm having quite a relaxing Saturday. I hope you're successfully avoiding chores as much as I am today. And I thought we'd have a look at this article from news.com.au, written by economist Jason Murphy. And before we get into it, because it's discussing, well, how the global recession will hit Australia the hardest, there's a few things I just want to draw to everyone's attention. And I'm bringing up two of my favorite websites at the moment. First one we have here is Trading Economics. And we can see here at the Forex, the Australian to New Zealand, it has recovered slightly. So we're sitting at 58 US cents. But remember, guys, at the beginning of March, it was at 66. Nearly a 10 cent drop. That is a huge drop. Now, for the Australian economy, looking at our exports and imports, according to the Observatory of Economic Complexity, we are ranked 59th out of the world. And you go, oh, 59, that's not too bad. But if we look at the Harvard model, hang on, I just need to find the link here to bring it up. Why is it not coming up? Oh, wait a minute. I'm in the wrong part on my stream deck, guys. I've got too many things to show and share. If we bring up the Harvard Atlas, we can see here, they rank us even worse. Same data, different methodology. They're ranking, they're ranking Australia at 93rd in the world. And the Harvard Atlas is actually suggesting Australia focus its economy similar to colonial nations. Target specific industries heavily, protect them, build them up. Because look at what we're exporting. Ore, coal, petroleum and gold. Natural resources, some wheat, a bit of wine some frozen meat, farm product. Look at what we're importing. Everything of sophistication, everything that's value added. We're not manufacturing much in Australia, guys. And that leads to a, well, I'd say a technological difference in our exports to our imports. And that's represented in the complexity of our economy. And we were trending down, we shot back up, but we're not doing much better. So, with that in mind, everyone, let's have a look at this article and see why Australia is going to be hit hardest. Because one, one more thing, just to remind everyone, if you're not aware, China is our biggest trade partner, destination for our exports, and our biggest origin for our, of our imports. And they make up a significant portion of our tourism and international education sectors for our economy. So there's a reason, and, and I only learned about this recently, is that people, traders, use the Australian dollar as a proxy for the Chinese economy. You know, that surprised me. So let's have a look at this article. So why global recession will hit Australia the hardest. Australia's economy has a particular vulnerability that matters right now. High rates of underemployment. Hundreds of thousands of Aussies have for years wanted to work more hours but have been unable to get them. And that is a fantastic point that he's highlighting, that Jason's highlighting here in this article. Because often we'll always hear the unemployment rate, and I have an update of my chart. It's gone down to 5.1 according to the ABS. If you look at Roy Morgan, it's about double that, pretty much, and it's to do with the methodology. But underemployment is the big issue, and we're going to see that. We're going to see that spike. Because how many people have been let off on unpaid leave? Are they unemployed or are they underemployed? You know, 
A few months ago, this was a problem. Now, with the illness burning through the economy, it's a crisis. We got under, underemployment already above GFC levels. There you go. So Australia, the Australian economy <clears throat> hasn't really covered since the, recovered since the GFC. Our growth on a per capita basis, per person basis, because our population has been increasing, our growth rate is below trend. So it means we've been doing worse than the last 10 years. I, I did a video on it. We're about 10% smaller than we should be. So what does that mean? If your population is growing, but your, your growth rate isn't keeping up, means our quality of life is going down. It means our wages, our wages are going down. Ratings agency, S&P Global, singled out Australia's labor market as our big problem in a special illness report it issued this week. Australia is an example of an economy vulnerable to labor market shocks. While the headline unemployment rate is low, the underemployment rate, that is the proportion of workers that have a job that would like to work for longer hours, has remained stubbornly high at over 8%. The underemployment problem is likely more acute in the accommodation and caring sectors, which account for over 7% of total employment. Of these jobs, over 60% are part-time. While this can give employers flexibility in reducing hours, the impact on workers can be brutally swift. In turn, this will hit consumer confidence and household income and spending. Well, I'd say consumer confidence is already in the gutter. I would say it's going to just get worse. It is going to get worse, guys. Business confidence. I mean, I can't see how that's going to, that's going to recover at all. The, the thing is, just cutting the cash rate, now we're at 0 0.25. What is that going to do to anyone's confidence at all? Are any of you confident, guys? I think most of the viewers of the channel are probably confident in gold and silver spiking because of potential for inflation resulting from money printing. But are you confident in the economy? Do you think it'll all return back to normal in three months, in six months? Or will there be some systematic damage to the economy? We'll have to see. I mean, this is a recession I think has been long overdue for Australia. There's a generation that's going to learn what a recession is. They're going to learn what hard times are. It'll be good. It'll be terrible, but it'll be good for people in some regards. Those workers who are tenuously attached to the labor market, independent contractors and casual employees are going to bear the greatest hit from the economic contraction that is happening. So who are these people? The government doesn't directly count casual employees, but it does record the people who have access to sick leave, which is essentially the same thing. The next graph shows who lacks access to sick leave, broken down by weekly earnings. It starkingly illustrates the problem. Low income earners are most likely to be casual. So what is this? Low paid workers who are less likely to have paid sick leave, proportion of employees. So not entitled to sick leave, self-employed and entitled to paid sick leave. And is this the, what is this rate? The workers who can least afford, is this their weekly earning? It can't be. Can it be? Earning less than 200 a week? By weekly earnings, okay, it is. Damn. Well, there you go, guys. There you go. So, the kinds of employees who are easy to put out of work are also the ones who can't afford to lose their jobs. It's an awful paradox. For many of these people, the only thing standing between them and homelessness will be Centrelink. I certainly hope Centrelink is hiring right now 
because it is going to have a lot of claims to process in the coming weeks and months. And yes, I mean, this, this is, I was talking to Rachel about this. There's going to be a, genera- a group of people, not just the generation, a group of people that are going to Centrelink for the first time in their lives. And my understanding is she told me there's like weeks of wait before you can, when you apply, before you get it. So it's not like instantly you get fired and then boom, you get Centrelink. Can someone let me know in the comments? Is that true? Does it take weeks to get it? Because what's going to happen to your mortgage payments? What's going to happen to all your other bills? Sure, the bank may give you, you know, they may be nice and give you six months. Maybe you pay, maybe we'll see more people accessing their super, but that's already taken a hit. If they haven't, if they haven't prepared for what's going, you know, moved a chunk into cash, they would have taken a, a beating in the last couple of days. Because right now we'll jump back here, guys. What are we sitting at in the stocks? The ASX 200. Yeah, 4,800. 4,800. Okay, so that's, you can't tell me that's just normal volatility in the market. I don't care what anyone says. You know, that's just insane. It's just normal volatility in the market. My phone's going off. Something's happening. There we go. It's all good. Get back to this. So a casual thing. Casual work used to be mostly for women, not anymore. The next next chart comes from the parliamentary library, and it shows that the share of the labor force working casual jobs has actually fallen for women, but it rose sharply for men between 92 and 2016. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Why do you think businesses would be more inclined to put people on a casual position? You have to pay more. Remember, casual workers get a loading. They get like 25% more per hour worked. It's because as a business, it gives you more flexibility. It gives you more flexibility to deal with what's going on. If you have to reduce staff work, you can do it quite easily, but you pay for that privilege. So, and it's the expectation is that as you, if you're a casual worker, you've put something aside, but we're in, a, we're in a society now where people don't plan for the future. People expect to be taken care of. So there you go. You know what they need to do to address this? You need to make it, and this is gonna sound paradoxical, you need to make it easier to fire people. You need to make it easier to fire people because then, employers and i'm speaking from from the perspective of an employer and someone who's hired a lot of young people in their first professional job so have been through a lot of having to break people into what it's like to actually work because you know once you go through you know you get when you start a business often you're, you're quite young and naive you want to take care of your workers you know you give them all these perks you're nicer than your bosses were and then over time you become hardened and you, it takes a good four or five years and you become a bastard just like your old bosses were. Because when you see people taking advantage of you, when you see crap people that are useless and it's so hard to fire them, you need to give them one warning, hold their hand, you know, kiss their little owies, watch out for their emotions. You can't just tell them, no, you're shit. You got to improve, do this. And there's a lot of people that don't understand that. There's a lot of people that don't understand that. And I think a lot of them are in, you know, cushy government jobs cushy unionized industries i find it funny actually you've got a lot of a lot of um migtail blokes who are also unionists they don't seem to realize that in you know they're the entitled class in the labor force you know i, I think it's, it's quite funny some of them don't see it anyway you know there's a dose of reality that some people don't appreciate because they've never had to go through it if you haven't fired someone if you haven't had to you know you have to pay redundancy to get rid of someone who's terrible rather than paying your mortgage there you go 
That's that's the world of small business, guys. Not everyone's able to handle that. But then that's also why people would either put them on casual or avoid hiring people for that reason. For that reason. Right now, I've got more than enough work. I could definitely take someone on. I'm not going to. I'll just work extra myself because of the hassle and the burden of, of doing that. It's just not worth it. I'll bring on, I could bring on contractors if I need to. But then the challenge, you know, the challenge is, do I get an Australian contractor or what do I offshore it? So there you go. So lessons of the GFC. During the global financial crisis, Australia's underemployment rate didn't rise too much. It lifted less than 2%. In fact, from a little over 4% to just under 6%. That happened because Australia's employers chose to reduce hours instead of cutting people's jobs altogether. Much like we are seeing at Qantas right now. Instead of laying off its workforce, Qantas is putting staff on leave. That makes it much easier for the company to spring back into action later. As you can see in the next graph, the total hours worked went negative in 2009-2010, but the level of employment did not. Companies spread the pain around among all their employees instead of cutting people off entirely. Well, you know, there you go. But we started that crisis from a much better position. Lower unemployment, much lower underemployment, and the Reserve Bank that had the capacity to cut interest rates. This time, we come to the battle already wounded. It's going to take a much bigger national effort this time to prevent the vulnerabilities in our labor market turning into a catastrophe. Well, I think one thing Jason neglected to mention there is Australia got bloody lucky. China stimulated their economy. They created a building boom. That was a demand for a lot of our natural resources, which created a boom in investment in mines up and down Australia. I know because that helped me start my business. I went from myself and Rachel, we got one, you know, one of myself working and Rachel contracting through our business to then I took on one staff member. I took on another staff member. Rachel came on full time and she said, that's it. I'm going to have babies. Then we took on another and another and another. We were renting a two bedroom house in Queensland. I'd converted the living room into an office. I'd converted the entry into an office and I'd converted the dining room to an office. I had about six people working there at one stage, just on all this mining stuff. It was going crazy. You know, and that, that's got more to do with demand for natural resources due to things beyond the control of our leaders. That's what it is. That's, that's why when people say, oh, the government is the solution, we need to, you know, stimulus spending, this, this, I, I'm just too cynical to, to believe it. Anyway, guys, let me know your thoughts and opinions in the comments below. What would you do? Do you think making it easier to fire people? Do you think that's a pill that'd be swallowed? Do you think people realize that could make a difference. Because if it's easier to cut people, it's damn well easier to put them on too. And you keep the good ones. You, know, you keep the good ones. You get rid of the dead weight. A lot of people don't know the dead weight though. Anyway guys, thanks for watching. Like, share and subscribe to the channel. If you're a fan and you want to help support us, there are a few ways you can. You can join the channel here on YouTube or on Patreon. You can use our affiliate links at Amazon or eBay or KuCoin at Independent Reserve. You can buy a merch from the Highs and Sets website or from Teespring. Take care, have a great day, and I'll see you all next time. Bye for now.